Do you like to mine precious metals or gems? Do you enjoy using large axes and war hammers? Do you dislike orcs and Druger? Well, my friend, if the answer is just to any of these questions, you might just have Dwarven blood coursing through your veins. So stick around to hear it all about Dwarven culture, history, life, sub-races, religions, and so much more. If the answer is known, you don't want to hear about Dwarves. At the end of the week, I'll be covering Barbarians. On Friday, I'll be posting that episode. If you're still with me, then let's get this hi-ho, it's off the work we go edition of the Yinzer Sage. Welcome gamers, I'm the Yinzer Sage. And today we start talking about the different races players can play with Dungeons and Dragons and Neverwinter Nights. What is a dwarf? A humanoid race, one of the main races offered in the game Dungeons and Dragons. They're based off the dwarves of Norse and Teutonic mythology. The works of Gerald Tolkien and dwarves in the novel Three Hearts and Three Lions, which is also where Gygax got the inspiration for his alignment system, also inspiring the creation of dwarves in D&D. Um, they first appeared in the 1974 edition of the game and have remained in it since. In basic D&D, they along with halflings and elves, became their own classes. And each one had a limitation, like they could only go up. I think dwarves were able to go to 12th, but elves were only able to go to 10th, and maybe halflings were only able to go to 8th. Um, but with the release of the advanced D&D, they were brought back as race players could play. Um... But, I mean, even though, like, there were still limitations, like, some races couldn't play the certain classes, um, they all had level limitations, but for all the classes they could play, um, there might have been, like, a class or two per thing that didn't have a limitation, or it, you know... I'm not positive. It's been so long since I played uh, first, second um, edition that I don't remember exactly all the numbers. You know what I mean? Like, if I had um, some of those old books, I'd be able to look them up, but I don't. Unfortunately, I lost all my stuff in a flood uh, years ago. But um, needless to say, different settings have given us different versions of dwarves over the years. From the hairless dwarves of Athos to the different sub-races both Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms have given us, even Ravenloft introduced vampire dwarves. Dwarves, their average height is just under 5 feet, with proud stout bodies that can weigh as much as a human if not more. Male dwarves tend to grow facial hair. Some settings have it where female dwarves grow facial hair as well, but shave it. Um, the dwarf, I'm sorry, the dwarf Hugie in Three Hearts and Three Lions has a Scottish accent, which is quite possibly the origin of where that trope in tabletop gaming comes from. 
Dwarves tend to be lawful good. The culture is naturally good, and they tend to follow the laws of each dwarven community. Most dwarves worship Morden, uh, who tends to be the main god of the dwarven pantheon. Other gods exist, such as Abathur, uh, Bernar, True Silver, uh, Kleinenden, Silverbeard, um, Dugmar and Brightmantle, Dumathoin, uh, Malman Dothal, and Vergadain, and Ladagur is the god of the Jurgar. Um, dwarves get along with gnomes, who they tend to consider cousins. They tend to be accepting of humans, halflings, and half-elves. Dwarves tend to become friends of humans, and they tend to become friends with the family of their human friends, as humans don't live long and dwarves, as dwarves, so they tend to become close friends with children and grandchildren of humans they were once close with but passed away. Dwarves do not have any trust when it comes to half-orcs. They also don't have any real love for elves. However, they do enjoy having the elves buzz backing them during orc, goblin, giant, and troll attacks. Hill dwarves are considered the standard dwarven subrace for D&D. Mountain dwarves live deeper underground and tend to be a fairer skin than other dwarven subraces. Uh, Alathian dwarves are Psionic dwarves that live deep in the earth and follow a dragon god called Ceridor. Um In the first three editions of D&D, Azures looked like dwarves, though they were not related. In the fourth edition, Azures were the product of enslavement by dwarves, oh, uh, enslavement of dwarves by giants and titans. Um, Badlands dwarves have the natural ability to find water and a natural tolerance to heat and thirst. I don't, I found that on the wiki and I'm not positive as to where Badlands Dwarves are from. Um, but I figured I should include them, you know. Same with Deep Dwarves, they live very far underground, have a better vision in the dark. They have a sensitivity to bright light that blinds them. They tend to be slightly more resistant to magic and poisons than standard dwarves. Uh, dream dwarves tend to be contemplative, who are in touch with the world around them. They call this the Earth Dream. Uh, Drugar are an offshoot of dwarves. Um, <clears throat> from Morgan Kendian's Tome of Foes, the Drugar were a clan of dwarves that at one time worshipped Morden. However, some in the clan had an obsession with digging deeper into the Underdark to find wealth and gold or gems. Well, I lost my place. Sorry, everybody. The obsession spread throughout the community and it enveloped the entire clan in time. The entire clan picked up picks or shovels and all started working in the mines. The weakest died off working, only the strongest survived. When one died, 
the others only rested long enough to move the body out of the way then work commenced can you imagine that like working you know in a mine that you were the baker you know for five years you know or the and you're standing next to you know the guy who retired a year ago as the you know town blacksmith and he drops dead and everybody takes a break from digging they go and move his body out of the way like whether that be out of the out of the mine or wherever you know I don't know exactly what the Strugar did at the time they weren't that detailed about it but they mentioned that uh, the Drugar would just pause long enough to move the dead ones out of the way and then they would resume digging um, as I said before only the strongest of the clans survived when they finally broke through their final wall they found the cause of their obsession and their downfall before them was a great elder brain and its mind flayers they were overwhelmed by the various psionic powers being used on them by the mind flayers and the elder brain they put the drugar to work immediately and the dwarves proved to be good slaves the elder brain saw another use for them various grisly experiments and psychic surgery eventually created the creatures seen today eventually a leader rose among the dwarves Lodogor struck a deal with Asmodeus he pledged the assistance of clan Drugar in helping fight the uh, ambitions of Loth with help from the devil they overthrew their enslavers and won freedom when Lodogor and his kin arrived back into the dwarves they left behind they were shocked to find they were not welcome the way they thought they would be long ago the priests of Morden had labeled the clan as heretics Lodiger tried to protest this action but the priest claimed Morden had sent warnings and omens to the clan but they were unheeded when the envoys went to the clan home they found it vacant abandoned no sign of invasion plague or other calamity what really upset the dwarves were the dwarf temples of Morden were all left unattended um, Lodigar attempted to explain how his clan had been mind-controlled by the Elder Brain and Mind Flayers, but to those expectations or explanations fell on deaf ears. Forced back into the Underdark, Lodigar focused his hate on Morden. By declaring his intentions on destroying Morden, uh, he started the war that still wages today. And I'll be explaining a little bit more here uh, at the end of this about, you know, some of that war. Um, it's not what people think it is, you know. I, I After reading this, I, I have a much deeper appreciation for the dwarves and Drugar. But, uh... The Frost Dwarves, they were Drugar that were once enslaved by Frost Giants. Um, <clears throat> glacier Dwarves dwell in cold glaciers 
and where they mine blue ice, crafting with ice and magical ice, and they have a tolerance for cold weather. Um, sea cliff dwarves make their homes in seaside cl cliffs, and um, they can swim very well. And as I mentioned in the introdu introduction, Athos dwarves are hairless. Um, they tend to weigh 200 pounds, do not live underground. Uh, every Astasian dwarf pursues a single obsession, and it can take up to a week com to complete, um, or at least one week to complete. Um, and they go into a little more detail in that, and um, but I didn't want to, you know, explain it. Uh, as intricately as they did because I might get confused again uh, they also can breed with humans to produce a race called Mauls um, on Dark Sun or Athos in Dragonlance dwarves are split into three district distinct groups which are then split up via clans hill dwarves gully dwarves and uh, I think there were mountain dwarves were the other one uh, for some stupid reason I did not write that down uh, hill dwarves da, da, da. mountain dwarves yeah um, the hill dwarves consist of a single clan in Dragonlance called the Nidyar or Nidare. Um, dwar mountain dwarves consist of several clans, two of these being the Hylar and the Dewar clans. Um, Flint Fireforge, one of the heroes of the Lance, is a Nidar. But, yeah. Uh, um, let's talk about Golly dwarves for a moment. First, they are thought to be the offspring of gnomes and dwarves. They are first referred to as miserable lot in the Dragonlance Chronicles by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Several clans tend to live together where they'll follow either the rule of each chieftain of the clan or one powerful leader who rules over all of the different clans. Um... <clears throat> One thing to remember with Gully Dwarves is that they are known to be very dangerous fighters when cornered. Uh, the average Gully Dwarf can only count to two. Some of the smarter ones have learned to count to three. They are normally very stupid and tend to hold menial jobs. Um, they tend to be very tiny, dirty, organized folk with a heart. Um, they are smaller than normal dwarves and have no land of their own. They tend to live in ruined cities, sewers, and dirty parts of cities. Uh, in the Forgotten Realms, there exists a number of dwarven sub-races. Shield dwarves, which are the same as mountain dwarves, are the dominant dwarven sub-race in the northern part of Faerun. 
They tend to be fatalistic due to the declining numbers of their kind over several generations. Gold dwarves, which are also known as hill dwarves, they are the dominant dwarven subrace in southern Faerun. They tend to be much more upbeat than their northern kin. Arctic dwarves, from which have another name I'm not going to even try and pronounce. I'll spell it. It is I-N-U-G-A-A-K-A-L-I-K-U-R-I-T. Um, <clears throat> tend to be smaller and stronger than dwarves. And they are immune to cold. Erdener are also known as ore cutter dwarves and have the magical ability to shape metal and stone. They can also walk through stone. Wild dwarves are short primitive dwarves who live in the jungles of Faerun. Uh, gray dwarves are what they call the Drugar. And I would recommend anyone who wants to go into any of those, um, the Forgotten Realms wiki on Dwarf under the subraces, each one of those has its own article. So, you, I will put that in at the description and uh, if someone wants to go check those out they can that way um, in the lands of Greyhawk a group of humans known as the Flan called dwarves DWUR dwar. dwarves are found throughout the lands of Greyhawk and Spelljammer oh excuse me it's, I'm sorry it's late I'm trying to record this and get it out and Spelljammer Dwarves operate in huge spacefaring asteroids with honeycomb tunnels. So what's Dwarven culture like? Well, let's turn to Mordekinian's Tome of Foes. As it's the only edition of the game that I have. I lost all my first, second edition stuff in a flood years ago like I mentioned before. And most of my 3rd and 3.5 stuff is in storage. Um, I don't own any of the 4th edition. I sold that all. And from what I've read and what I can remember, Mord's Book of Foes is pretty accurate in depicting dwarves and their culture in all the former editions and current edition. Um, there might be slight variations to things um, names of gods or you know there might be something different between the different settings needless to say I did not want to try and cover every dwarven subrace as honestly I could not find much on a few of them and others had a lot of info on another page I'm including both wiki pages I used in the description. As I mentioned before, the Forgotten Realms one is the one with more info on subraces. So, I've already talked about Dwarven God Morden. He's who the dwarves say they create. He created them. Um, he created the first ones in his great workshop. Um, 
he caused them to spring to life from inert metal when he cooled the heated castings with his breath. Uh, they've revered him since and tried to follow in his footsteps. Though through constant steady work they strive to emulate the perfect example set by the originator of the arts and skills the doors pursue. Um, he is the creator to them. Um, he crafted with his impeccable skills. He crafted the first doors and imbued them with a sense of relentless purpose, driven to apply their own crafting skills to the raw materials around them, and thereby unlock the beauty that hides within. Morgan is also worshipped as the All Father, in no acknowledgement of his role as the progenitor of the dwarven race. In this aspect as well, he is credited not only for the birth of the dwarves, but for fostering in them a deep appreciation for clan and family. He demonstrates how dwarves' parents should raise their children, instilling in them the urge to further not only themselves, but to contribute to the success of the larger groups, just as Morden looks out for all dwarves, all dwarves in the clan look out for one another. Now, <clears throat> dwarves have a song, strong sense of their progress, and each day that goes by must bring them closer to the standard set by Morden. Actually aware of their mortality, they see many centuries afforded to them as too short a time to risk wasting even a single day in insolence. Morden crafted the dwarves' sturdy bodies, giving them the strength to work for long periods of time. Rather than impairing, parting his skills to them, he filled their spirits with a burning desire to follow in his example. His gifts of durability and purpose gave the dwarves all they needed to devote their lives to steady work, redefining their skills and improving their inner selves while they transform rock and ore into wondrous creations. Uh, dwarves pretty much throw themselves into all different forms of, you know, labors. Um, they, I mean, you can go everything from, you know, a weaponsmith to an armorsmith to just a blacksmith to, you know, stone cutters. Uh, what else? You have goldsmiths, you have silversmiths, you know, gem cutters, and yet then you have your miners, uh, entire dwarven groups that just go dig up ores, gems, all sorts of stuff. Um, then you have the fighting groups, you have your warriors, you have your priests, you have uh, your rogues because some dwarves like to have traps set, you know, for different monsters and whatnot. Um, it's not rare, I would say. I would say it's more uncommon to see a dwarf as a caster as a magic user. Um, I, it's doable, you know, but 
I just I haven't seen many people do it. Um, I've always played dwarves more as like clerics, um, fighters. Uh, I had one that was a cleric paladin. Um, you know, dwarves. I've never really seen in that type of limelight, you know, as some type of group that just, for the most part, uh, were magic users. I know they exist, I just never, you know, really ever thought of it that way. Um, and when it comes to, like, dwarven crafting, like, something people need to understand is, like, dwarves strive for perfection. They want to make everything they make with their hands completely perfect. So their artisanship and, and the craftsmanship of these items, it just keeps increasing it with, you know, the more the dwarf does it, um... <clears throat> the better the quality of an item that dwarf has. Um, and I mean, that's something that Mordekinian's book kind of goes into a little bit. <clears throat> and one thing about uh, dwarven society that you need to understand is. Uh, well, I'm sorry, excuse me. The. There's two main focuses for all dwarves, and that's the clan and the stronghold. Okay, dwarves all belong to a clan. Now, from my understanding, there's more than one clan, so what you have is you know you'll have a stronghold that might have more than one clan in it, you know uh, depending on the size of the stronghold and then you'll have strongholds that are like just clan strongholds but needless to say um, that's you know the dwarves are very clan oriented uh, and when I say clan, I don't mean, you know, racist clans. I'm talking, uh, you know, like a unified group, almost like a family. Uh, I have an elven clan that I've been playing for eons, uh, the Sun Stars. I, I have um, the one like you know, he's effectively now the patriarch of the family Azak um, and I'm, I had a son of his I was playing but I don't believe that I'm going to bring that character back um, I think I'm going to let him die because he was connected to somebody I'm no longer connected to and I just think it's best for all parties involved to no longer have 
those connections and and do in order for me to do so I just can't use that character anymore so because um, it wouldn't make any sense for him to exist um, because that other character had a connection directly to Azak and that's how Azak's son would have existed but needless to say I'm not talking about that um, now the stronghold um, every, okay every dwarven clan maintains a, a stronghold but there are you know different like dwarven halls or dwarven communities where you might have two or three clans existing in that community so um, and needless to say you know like with these dwarves the clan and stronghold are you know are completely tied together so if one comes undone the other falls as well defending a stronghold is a concern that the dwarves address even in the earliest stages of construction they plan and then build with the goals of safety and security uppermost in mind the only way that the, a home can truly be safe and secure as if it's protected against intruders. Um, there's a variety of approaches and devices in setting up their defenses. The strongholds of many clans are honeycombed with secret passages designed to enable the doors to ambush and flank enemies. Doors also make liberal use of the secret doors fashioned to dwarf artisans. Slab is a stone that fits so precisely in their openings that no one but a dwarf knows how to locate an open one. Uh, unlike some other races that guard their territory by creating features that actively deter invaders, dwarves rarely use arrow traps, pit traps, or any such measures that could cause harm to clan members. They see little risk and little sense in risking injury if a trap of that sort malfunctioned or was accidentally triggered by a dwarf. Defensive measure isn't going doing its job if it ends up hurting those it was meant to protect. Um, oh, excuse me. Now that's not to say that dwarves won't, you know, trap specific chests in their treasury or trap entire treasuries. I have heard and seen of that happen quite a few times actually in different just adventures um, ones I partook in and or ran um, some of them may have been published I don't remember exactly what ones um, as I said it's kind of late and I'm kind of tired but uh I'm still hammering this out and I already mentioned all the different you know dwarves of the different editions or not editions but uh 
settings. Yeah, like Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk. Uh, and I mentioned that uh, Ravenloft brought in vampiric dwarves before. Um, but they also brought in a version of every humanoid race that was just standard to play. So, I don't know if that devalues that at all. But there's uh, the Dwarven deities. It goes over. Uh, for the most part, you know, talks about one of the major problems with dwarves is that they can get greedy. They have a god, Abathor, who is pretty much the god of greediness. Um, I mean, there's no other real way to explain them. You know, that, that's pretty much long and skinny of it. But, uh, some of their enemies of the dwarves, they tend to get into it with dragons, especially chromatic dragons, um, which are, tend to be just uh, attracted to the hordes of dwarves. Uh, excuse me. They, so the dwarves will tend to set traps for them, but, or they'll, try to fight off any threats you know they they take it seriously but uh, giants are another natural enemy to dwarves orcs are a natural enemy to dwarves uh, and then as I mentioned before Drug are, are the other enemy of dwarves uh, and then this goes into detail about, you know, quite a few other things I just don't want to get into. Drugar, uh, this book also goes into Drugar. I'm not going to, I already talked about them a little bit earlier. But I, I highly recommend you pick up the uh, Mordekanian's Tome of Foes if you want really to read probably one of the best you know descriptions of a group of dwarves that I've read in a while quite honestly but needless to say I'm gonna wrap this up because it has been about a half hour so we're right at that point uh, this is episode 9 by the way and I know I said I'd be starting news up I'm probably going to start that on Friday um, trying to go through and generate what I can from the Neverwinter community and I'm going to start researching for tabletop here as well but uh want everybody to have a good night safe game uh let's let the dice fall as they may and uh everybody 
keep gaming. Game on. Good night. Bye-bye, everybody.